Good morning, everyone. I was planning on telling some jokes at Pastor Jeremy's expense, but it gets really awkward when he's actually in the building to do that, so. <laughs> See me later, I have a few that I'll share with you. Uh, he said he might have to leave in a hurry, but that, going back the aisle this morning, that was the fastest I've seen him move since I've known him, so. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Uh, as you're turning there, uh, as you know, the last couple weeks, there have been several of us uh, sharing God's Word with you this morning. And this morning, I want to share with you about the importance of evangelism, how important it is for you and I to share our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yesterday, we had an outreach event. I just want to fill you in on this. We, get, we went around to local businesses here in uh, the metropolis of LaGrange, and we visited, I think, all 12, 15 businesses that are here in this town. And we went uh, with baskets that had some microwave popcorn and some candy and uh, some invitations to come to the Super Bowl party. And we just went in and we talked to people. And uh, shared with them the love of Christ in a very practical way, asked them to put these baskets in their uh, break room. If you work in an office, you know that once you, if anybody smells microwave popcorn in the break room, like everybody descends upon the place. And uh, so we just wanted to do that. We had some really good conversations, had a great time. So just continue to pray for that, uh, for people in our community that uh, work at these places, that they would, uh, of course, maybe pick up a card that we put in the basket and maybe come and check out uh, the church and the claims of Christ himself. I, heard, I saw a headline uh, a few years ago, and of course when I saw this headline, it took me by complete surprise. The headline said this, this year it will be harder to get to hell. And I stopped and I read the article, and what it was talking about was a town in Michigan by the name of Hell. Hell, Michigan, is a real place. And what had happened was that they were working on the main road that was going into Hell. They had to repave the road, and they were going to work on the bridge. And so, for the next several months, it was going to be harder to get to Hell. Now, they say that the reason why they had to do this is because hell had frozen over and they destroyed the road and they had to work on it. But they did say this, that paving the road to hell sprang from good intentions. You'll laugh later when you get home and you think about that a little bit longer. But hell, Michigan, is a, is a very real place. It's an actual town in the center of Michigan. Uh, I wondered how this town got its name, and there are a couple different stories about how, how Hell, Michigan got its name. There's one story that says that there were a couple German settlers that were moving through the area, and they got out of the stagecoach, and one said to the other, said, so schön und hell, which in German is translated so beautiful and bright, and somebody overheard that, and they thought, well, we need to, probably should name the place Hell. There's another story that George Reeves, one of the founders of the town, was being asked repeatedly what he thought they ought to name the town. And George Reeves is quoted as saying, you can name it hell for all I care. And of course, the name stuck. Now, there are some uh, very humorous things as I looked in further into Hell, Michigan. There is a non-accredited school in Hell, Michigan, where you get a diploma that is signed, sealed, and singed. 
There's an ice cream shop in Hell, Michigan that is called Screams Ice Cream from Hell. There is a five-mile race. Maybe, Nate, you ought to run this. You run this race, and you run. Uh, the race is called Running Through Hell. And you get a little T-shirt at the end. There's a bike race that, Nate, you might be interested in. It's called One Hell of a Ride. On June 6, 2006, in the entire town of Hell, they had a huge party, and everything in town sold for $6.66. Now, I don't know how true this is, but in the upper peninsula of Michigan is a town called Paradise, Michigan. And they claim that from Hell, Michigan to Paradise, Michigan is 666 miles. Now, those are some humorous things about Hell. But as we look at, the, at hell that is mentioned in the Bible, uh, there is really nothing humorous about it. 22 separate times in the New Testament, the Bible talks about hell and what kind of a place it is. Out of those 22 times, 15 times, Jesus himself specifically talked about hell more than any other person recorded in the New Testament. And he talked about hell, I think, I believe because he did not want anyone to have to experience the realities of hell. And here in Luke chapter 16, we see uh, now there's, uh, we were talking about this Sunday night, there are some who believe that what Jesus is talking about here is an actual, two actual people and the act, uh, what actually happened. Others say that it's just a parable that Jesus is telling to relate about the experiences of hell itself. But in either case, well, let's read God's Word and we're going to look at how, why evangelism is, is important in light of the reality of hell. In Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 19, it says this, now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate covered with sores, and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame." But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things, but now he is being comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able, and that none may cross over from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. Father, we thank you for your word. And as we look at the sobering realities of hell, God, I pray that you would 
allow your words to sink into the deepest parts of who we are. God, as we think about the importance of evangelism in light of the realities of hell, may it cause us to see people as you see them, as sheep without a shepherd, as dead men and women walking, ultimately going to go to hell. God, I pray that if there are any here this morning who have never trusted you as their Savior, that they would understand the reality of what awaits them after this life. And God, that you would use that to speak to their hearts to bring about transformation, eternal life. But whatever the case, Lord, I pray that your word would speak to us, convict us, encourage us, transform us for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning we're looking at the importance of evangelism, and I want to show you here from our text four reasons why evangelism is important. Four reasons why evangelism is important. Hopefully you got a little handout in your bulletin this morning. You can follow along. I always add the little blanks there just to keep people awake. Uh, but the first one is this, is that hell is a place that is existing. Evangelism is important because hell is a place that is existing. It's a, it's a real place. You see, hell is not just some place that parents use to get their kids to behave. Hell is not a fairy tale. Hell is not just simply a state of mind. Hell is a very real place. He begins in verse 19 and he says this, now there was a rich man and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate covered with sores. There's these two men. They're, they're, they're uh, polar opposites. One was very wealthy. One had lots of food. One had nice clothing. The other was very poor. He, he did not have much food. He probably didn't have very much clothing. And verse 21, And longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking the sores. Now the poor man died and was carried away by, a, by the angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. So he, he makes this distinction. He says there's, uh, they, they both died. Now that's the only thing that these two men had in common, is that they both died. And in, in Hebrews chapter 9, it tells us this, that uh, uh, we're all destined to die, and after death comes the judgment. All of us in this room, we're all going to die if Jesus doesn't return. But if he does return, all of us are one day going to have to stand before Jesus and be judged according to the faith in which we lived this life. Now, there are some who will say, well, the, the poor man went to heaven because he was poor and the rich man went to hell because he was rich. Because after all, you know, the Bible says that being rich is a bad thing. That is not what happens here. And he says, and nowhere in the Bible does it say it's bad to be rich. It says the, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money isn't evil. It's the love of money. I know a lot of poor people who have a tremendous love for money. I know a lot of rich people who have a tremendous love for money. It's the love from, of money that's the root of all evil. So, so the, the Lazarus didn't go to heaven because he was poor, and the rich man didn't go to hell because he was rich. The, the, Lazarus went to heaven because of his faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible very clearly says that to us. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And it all comes down to our faith in Jesus Christ. The rich man went to hell because of his continued rejection in this life of Jesus Christ as Savior. But they go 
to real places. Matthew chapter 5, verse 30, in the teaching there, Jesus says, he, he, I'm not going to quote it word for word, but he says this, he says, it is far better for you to cut off your left hand and go into heaven without a left hand than it is to have your entire body perish in hell. It's a very real place. Jesus talked as if it was a real place. It wasn't a place where he said, uh, he, he wasn't just trying to scare people. He wasn't trying to, to build a religion based upon fear. He said, I'm telling you this because it is a stark reality. There have been surveys done of churches, and they say some of the most evangelistic churches in the country are those churches who continually and constantly talk about the realities of hell. Because if hell is a real place, and if a person who does not trust Christ is going to go to hell, then how can I not tell them about Jesus Christ? It is a real place. It is a place that is existing. Now, you may sit here and you may cross your arms and you may say, well, that's fine. I don't believe hell is a real place. That's fine. You can do that if you want. Abraham Lincoln was asked one time, they, they were trying to trick him in something. I'm not really sure why it happened, but Abraham Lincoln's response was this. He said, how many legs does a cow have? Seth, how many legs does a cow have? Okay. It's a really bad uh, testimony for Wayne Christian School. Cows have four legs. Okay. And Abraham Lincoln says, what if you called the tail of the cow a leg? How many, how many legs would the cow have? No. Abraham Lincoln said, no, it doesn't matter if you call his tail a leg. It doesn't make it a leg. He still only has four legs. And that's the same thing about hell. Hell is a real place. You can say, I don't believe it. Or you can say, I, I, I just reject that idea. That's fine. You can do that. But it doesn't change the fact that hell is a real place. And you may talk to people who say, ah, that's just a fairy tale. God would never send anyone to hell. Well, that's fine, but it doesn't change the reality that hell is a real place. Some people have asked, well, where did hell come from? Well, God created hell. In John chapter 1, verse 3, it says that all things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And so the question is, why is hell real? Hell is a real place because God is real holy. You understand that? that? That's God's number one attribute. If you ask the question to most people, what's God's number one attribute? People say mercy or forgiveness or love or things like that. And those are all great attributes of God, but God's number one attribute is his holiness, because that's what separates him from anything and everyone else. Do you understand that? If love was his number one attribute it would be possible for him to love the wrong things. If mercy were his number one attribute, it would be possible for him to show mercy the wrong way. I want you to think about God's attributes as like a, a bicycle wheel, and the hub of that wheel is God's holiness. And out of that hub, out of his holiness, comes his love and his mercy and his forgiveness 
and his patience. And all of those things emanate out of his holiness. All of those things are dictated by his holiness. You see, God created hell. Hell is real because God is holy. And because God is holy, sin has to be dealt with. And here we find in our account that one person finds himself there. In verse 23, it says in Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. That word torment is a word that was used in Bible days to talk about the testing of, of precious metals. It, it was the idea of a, of, a, of a fire, something that would burn away the impurities. And, and that's where this rich man finds himself. He's in torment and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. Which brings me to my second point this morning is that evangelism is important because hell is a place that is existing. But number two, hell is a place that is excruciating. It is a place that is excruciating. In verse 23, he tells, him, he tells us that in Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. Verse 24, and he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things, but now he is being comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able, and that, that none may cross over from there to us. You see, hell is an agonizing place because there's no mercy. He cries out and he says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Can you imagine being in a place where there is no mercy? It's an excruciating place to be. It's not only just a place to be because there's no mercy, but there's no relief. He says, I am in agony in this flame. That word, that Bible word for agony right there, it's such a horrible word that this is the only place in the entire New Testament that's even used. And in other Greek literature during this time, it's used very, very, very sparingly only to talk about the most horrific situations a person could find themselves in. There's no mercy. There's no relief. He says, just dip the tip of your finger in water and, and give me one drop. There's no relief here for my agony that I find myself in. And there's no hope. He said, I, send, send him over to me. And, and, and God says, well, there's this great chasm fixed. He can't come to you and you can't come here. There's no hope. Imagine what that must be like, a place where there's no mercy and no relief and no hope. Bobby Welch, uh, he pastored First Baptist Church of Daytona, Florida. He was one time president of the Southern Baptist Convention and wrote literature entitled The Faith Evangelism Strategy. Bobby Welch preached on this passage once and he said, you know, oftentimes we read verse 24 the wrong way. He said oftentimes we read it and we read it in our devotional voice or we read it in our Sunday school voice or we read it in our pastor's voice like I just did this morning. But he said that's probably not the way this was spoken. Bobby Welch said it's probably more, something more like this. He cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. 
and send, La send Lazarus that he may just dip the tip of his finger in water that it may cool off my tongue for I am in agony in this place. Bobby Welch said that's probably what the sounds of hell are more like. Because it is a place of excruciating pain. It's a place where there's no mercy. It's a place where there's no help. And it's a place where people that you and I know, people in our family, our neighbors, our coworkers, uh, our loved ones, our friends, there are people that we know that if they don't accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, are going to be crying out in the same way for eternity. That's why it's important for us, it's imperative for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can't control if anybody trusts Christ as their Savior or not. I can't control any of that. All I can do is to be faithful with the message that God has given to me. That we are all sinners. We all deserve to die and go to hell. That God in His infinite love and wisdom sent Jesus to the cross to die in my place so that I don't have to suffer hell. And now I can have a home eternal with Him in the heavens. I can't even begin to understand what it must be like in hell today. Bill Cosby quoted, um, uh, her name just slipped my mind, Mama's House. Who played that? Uh, anybody know? Everybody, anybody ever watched Mama's House? Okay, anyways, nobody knows her either. Okay, I don't feel so bad. Anyways, um, Bill Cosby is quoted, and she said this. She said, childbirth, you cannot even begin to describe the pain in childbirth, but she said it's something like this. Grab your bottom lip and pull it over your head. It feels something like that. And so this happens in my house oftentimes when I have a headache or I'm not feeling well and my wife will say, why don't you just get up? And I always explain to her, you don't know what the pain I'm in. And she says, I gave birth to two children. That's always the trump card. So then I have to get up, I have to do something and you know. And my wife told me, she said, now there is joy in giving birth to a child, but she said, I cannot even begin to describe the pain that was involved. When Holden was born, our second, she did not have, it was all natural. And we got to the hospital, they said she was already eight centimeters dilated. And I remember she was laying in the bed and she said, I just want something. And the, the doctor said, oh, it's too late, sweetie. And Holden was born like 10 minutes after that. And she said, I, can, she said, I cannot describe the pain. And even greater than that, there, there are women in this room that can describe that pain. But even greater than that, I can't imagine the pain that the people in hell are experiencing today. They are in agony. They are in misery. They are experiencing pain. And hell is a terrible place. Hell is a terrible place because God is absent. God is removed from hell. God is absent. And that's why hell is such a terrible place. And I have heard people say time and time again, well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to go to hell and I'm just going to party with all my friends. That is not the realities of hell. Evangelism is important because hell is a place that is existing. Number two, hell is a place 
that is excruciating. Number three, evangelism is important because hell is a place that is eternal. He goes on in verse 26. He says, besides all this, between us and you, there was a great chasm fixed. I don't know if anybody's ever been to the Grand Canyon. I've never had the opportunity to go. But those who have seen it said it is amazing to see this great gorge that is cut out in the middle of the, of the land. And this chasm that he speaks of here is even greater than that. There's this great chasm fixed. So those who are on one side, those who are in hell currently, there's no way they can get to heaven. And those who are in heaven, even if they wanted to, although I can't imagine anybody wanting to, they can't go to hell. He says, it is a place where you are for eternity. This great chasm has been fixed. And there's no crossing over. And so this rich man in verse 24, and, and if this is a, a real man that Jesus is referring to here, and this happened 2,000 plus years ago, even today, 2,000 plus years later, he's still crying out these same words because there is no hope. He cannot leave this place because it is eternal. In 1905, Norway abolished the death penalty. They said, no longer are we going to execute a criminal. In 1940 to 1945, Vidkin Quisling became the leader of Norway. During his reign, it was discovered that, that Quisling actually aided the Germans in their invasion of Norway. He was their inside man. He helped them to uh, come in and, and overthrow Germany and to take, or Norway and to take control of Norway. When this was discovered, they put Quisling on trial. They found him guilty of high treason in Norway. After he was found guilty, they discovered that they did not have anything, any law that could punish him the way he deserved. And so even though they abolished the death penalty in 1905, in 1945, 40 years later, they made one exception to the abolishment of the death penalty. And Vid Vidkin Quisling was put to death by firing squad because they said his crime deserved this penalty. Why does hell have to be eternal? Why does it last forever? And it has to last forever because God is superior. Let me help you understand that a little bit. I, as you know, I'm the head administrator at Wayne Christian School. So imagine a couple years ago when Seth was at school and learning that cows only have three legs. Imagine while he was a student, he walks by through the hallway, and as he's walking through the hallway, he punches a locker, and somebody, and I see him punch the locker. And of course, if he punches a locker, I would come to him and say, Seth, you probably shouldn't punch a locker. That's school property. If you destroy it, you know, your parents are going to have to pay for it, and then you'll be in big trouble and all those things. So don't punch the locker anymore. If I'm walking through the hallway, and I see Seth, and he winds back, and he punches another student in the face then, you know, I'm going to have to talk to Seth, I'm going to have to call his parents in, I'm going to sit down and say, you know, Seth's probably going to be expelled, suspended from school for about five days or so, and, you know, he probably shouldn't punch other kids in the face. Imagine if I'm walking through the hallway, and as I'm walking through, Seth decides to punch me in the face. 
Well, we want to know, know what happened to Seth after that. But anyways, <laughs> if he punched me in the face, Seth probably wouldn't be a student at Wayne Christian School any longer. You see, the person you offend, it depends on the, the, the status of the person you offend. Punching a locker, yeah, it's no big deal. But if he punches me in the face, then it's a big deal. When we sin against a holy God, it deserves punishment that fits the person that we have offended. And the reason why hell is eternal is because God is superior. He is greater than anything and everything else in this life. And it deserves eternal punishment. And again, you have people all around you today probably, people that you know, people that you love, that are just flippantly disobeying God. And they're, they're joking about it. We live in a time and in a culture when, when those things that used to be shunned, they used to be called sin, they used to be shunned, and, and, and nobody ever talked about them. Now we've moved to a point in our culture where they're celebrated and people dance in the streets about them. And they don't care what God says. They don't care what God thinks. But listen, the time is coming when they're going to have to give an account and they're going to have to stand before a holy God in, in judgment, in righteous judgment, and God is going to cast them into hell forever because of who He is. Evangelism is important because hell is a place that is existing. Hell is a place that is excruciating. Hell is a place that is eternal. And number four, evangelism is important because hell is a place that is escapable. He goes on in verse 27, he says this, And he said, the rich man, he said, I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Somebody has said that he has become a red-hot evangelist at this point. <laughs> Think about that for a second. Anyways, he is concerned. He said, I have five brothers. I don't want them to have to come here. Send Lazarus back so that he can warn them so that they don't, have, they don't have to come to this place. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And, and what he's saying here in context, he's saying not that Abraham and the prophets were going to come back to life. What he's saying is they have God's word. Let them hear God's word. And as a result, that will change them. But he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He's saying, listen, they're not going to listen to your word, but if you send somebody back from the dead, you raise somebody up to come back from the dead, then they'll believe, then they'll repent, then they will trust you. But he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. And Jesus knows that. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And if you read the account, after he raises Lazarus from the dead, the Bible says this, there were still some who did not believe. 
They sat there and they watched him say, Lazarus, come forth. And they watched Lazarus hop out of the tomb. They watched him unbind Lazarus from head to toe. They watched him. This one who was dead was now alive and Jesus was there and he's the one who brought him back to life. But yet they still didn't believe. Jesus himself laid in the tomb for three days, got up and walked out of the tomb, conquered sin and death, and there are still some who do not believe. And so he says, if they don't believe this word, they won't believe even if someone rises from the dead. You see, faith is not a head issue. Faith is always a heart issue. People choose not to believe. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, He made Him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, what God is saying is you don't have to go to hell. Yes, it's a real place. Yes, it's a place of great agony. Yes, it's a place that goes on forever and ever and ever. But he's saying, listen, you don't have to go there. People that you know don't have to go there. He has provided a way of escape. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. You see, Jesus died on the cross to pay the wages for my sin and your sin so that we don't have to die this second death. He rose again from the dead to give us everlasting life if we would just simply believe. And listen, that's just the essence of the gospel message. We're sinners. God loved us. Send his son to die and pay the penalty for my sins and your sins and rose again to give us everlasting life. John 3.16 points to the idea that there's a hell for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, the cross, if hell isn't real, then the cross doesn't make any sense. If hell is not real, then Jesus didn't have to die on the cross. It just makes no sense. But you see, it's because of the cross that we can escape the realities of hell. And the people around you can escape the realities of hell. It's at the cross that on one hand we see the righteousness and the wrath of God for sin. And it's on the other hand that we see the great, amazing love that God has for us. You see, it's right there at the cross that these two things meet. The wrath of God and the love of God are all wed together at the cross, which provides a way of escape for every man, woman, boy, and girl. It used to be the longest bridge in the world, the Lake Pontchartrain Bridge in Louisiana. It spans 23 miles, has 9,000 concrete pilings across this lake. It was June 16, 1964, 
There's a story, Jerry said he was driving across the bridge. And there was a fog rolling in that morning, and it was just, it was just really hard to see as he was driving across the bridge. And he said he hadn't seen a car for a little while, and as he's driving, he saw off in the distance somebody standing in the middle of the bridge. He was a little bit frightened because Jerry says on one end of the bridge is a prison, on the other end of the bridge is an insane asylum, and whoever was in the middle of the bridge, he was not stopping for. And so he continued to drive, and as he was driving, he was getting a little bit closer, and he moved over into the left lane, and this man jumped into the left lane in front of him. And so Jerry swerved over into the right-hand lane. The man jumped into the right-hand lane. And Jerry decided, I'm just going to keep on going. If this man jumps in front of my car and it's too late, I'm just going to run him over. And he said as he got closer, he could, he could see his, his hair was just matted down to his head. It was, it was from the, the dew in the air and, and the sweat, you could tell, was rolling down his face. And, and, and as he got closer, Jerry said, I'm, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. He swerved one more time. And, and the man, his arms are, are just flailing in the air. And he said, this man's got to be crazy. And he swerves one more time. The man jumps in front of him. And Jerry, at the last minute, hits his brakes and squeals to a stop. And he says this man just started beating on the hood of his car and was just yelling at him. And he said, Jerry said the man came to the driver's side window and just started beating on the window. And all of a sudden, he finally was able to understand what this man was saying. As he was beating on his window, he, said, he was saying, the bridge is out. The bridge is out. The bridge is out. Jerry got out of his car and walked with this man to the edge of the bridge. Jerry says, just as he was watching a school bus go under the water. And Jerry said, if this man had not stopped him, he would have went over the bridge as well. That day, 23 people died because nobody warned them the bridge was out. What had happened was a barge was going under the bridge and lost control and they hit one of the pilings and caused the bridge to collapse. And Jerry says, I was forever thankful that this person was willing to sacrifice himself to tell me the bridge was out. Let me ask you this. Are you willing to sacrifice something, time, finances, resources, reputation, friendship? Are you willing to sacrifice something to let somebody in your life know that the bridge is out? The road that they are on is leading to destruction. The bridge is out. Are you willing to sacrifice something so that somebody else can know that the bridge is out? Because there are people every day that are slipping off into eternity because the bridge is out. Evangelism is important because hell is a place that is existing. It's a place that is excruciating. It's a place that is eternal. It is a place that is escapable. I just want you right now if you have your pen and your piece of paper still open. I know I gave you the last note there. Well, I just want you to take your pen and I want you to just write one or two names 
of people that you know need to trust Christ as their Savior. Every day, I pray for my dad because my dad has yet to come to faith in Christ. It was a couple summers ago I was talking with him and I said, I was explaining to him his sin, his need for a Savior. My dad looked at me and he said these words. He said, I know I need to be saved, but I don't know what's keeping me from doing it. I have committed every day to be a roadblock in my dad's life. I have committed to every time I have the opportunity to warn him that the bridge is out. When I think about the possibility of being in heaven and my dad being in hell, it breaks my heart. I want you to just think about those two names as we just close in prayer. I, want to, I don't know the names you wrote down, but I'm going to pray with you for them. Father, we thank you that somebody has told us about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have worked in our lives in such a way that we have are able to escape the realities of hell. I pray for these names that were written here this morning. And maybe they weren't written. Maybe you just brought somebody to somebody's mind. God, I pray for each of these individuals just as earnestly as I pray for my own father that, God, you would bring them to faith in Christ. But also, Lord... The, the hand that wrote those names down, that you would use that person, that they would understand the task that you have called them to and that they would share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with these, these people. We know the task is monumental and sometimes it brings about fear. Sometimes it brings anxiety. Sometimes it, it, just, it just boggles our mind. But God, we know that you are big enough. We know that you are still in the business of saving people's lives. So God, I pray that we would trust you and your resurrection power to work in us and through us for the proclamation of the gospel. Again, I pray that if there's some here today that they have been convicted about their need for a Savior, that they, they would honestly say, you know what, today, if I, if, if I leave this place and, and, and I die in a car accident or I, I, I don't make it to see tomorrow, I know that I'm probably going to go to hell. God, I pray that you would 
bring them to me or somebody from the church or a friend or Pastor Jeremy so that we can show them from the scriptures how they can have their, home, have their sins forgiven, have a home eternal in the heavens. But whatever the case, Father, I pray that you would work mightily in the hearts and lives of your people. We will remember to give you all the honor and the glory and the praise that is due your name. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.